in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Welcome back to the show. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. Indeed, <laughs> this is episode. Sixty of the two white chicks in China. I feel like it's a milestone. I know. Every time we get to a ten, I feel like we should celebrate somehow. Yeah, we should. <laughs> we should buy you a coffee later. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could. We could. We could celebrate with a nice review. How about that? Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, so our this review comes from Erin, and she's from the USA, and she says, "Hey." I moved from the states in late February of this year to teach English at the university in Wuhan. Listening to your podcast prior to coming here、uh, would have saved me a lot of trouble. But sometimes the easiest way to acclimatize is to get lost and frazzled.、Mm-hmm. Nice. One of the biggest challenges that I faced is trying to read the bus schedule, metro line, <laughs> mostly the bus schedule, since the only character I know is for meat. I, I laughed at this because I remember there was a time when that was ex- I was exactly the same as that. The only、meat. character, yeah, was yeah, meat. meat is a very easy、yeah. to recognize one.、Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny.、Uh, she asks,、um, uh, "How do y'all figure out how to get around?"、Uh, she says, "I haven't listened to all all of your podcasts yet, so sorry if you've already answered this."、Um, So I I made a little note when she, like about the bus schedule thing.、Mm. I remember well. In fact, sometimes I still do it. Um, I kind of cheat a little bit because I have a VPN on my phone, so I would、um, basically find the points on the map,、oh, okay. and then it would give me directions, and I would find I would use like the transit button, and it would tell me which bus to use. Like、oh, it would tell me the number. Okay. So I, I was kind of cheating a little bit. Oh, okay. But then that's just smart. I would start to like I started to learn some of the common characters. That would be found in the metro, or, or, or not on the metro, on the bus schedule. Is that what you did? Did you do something similar? Ah,、uh, no. I took. I, you know, I ended up taking the hard way for a lot of these things. It's funny, <laughs> you know. A lot of people who are coming to China now, there's so many tools that are available. Yeah,、right. But I just learned to do everything the hard way because when I first came, those things didn't exist. I didn't have a VPN.、Mm. Um, I didn't have data on my phone because I didn't know how、oh. to set that up. So I was kind of on my own.、Oh, so、yeah. uh, I this was actually one of the ways that helped me learn Chinese the most. Though、mm-hmm. I feel like between so the taxi drivers really taught me my spoken Chinese in the beginning, because、mm-hmm. that was like the most interaction that I would get, where I would be able I would get farther and farther in the conversation because they'd always be asking the, the same, same questions. questions. Yep. So it's like the first day you can only answer one question, and then after a week or two you、mm-hmm. can answer two questions, and your vocabulary kind of builds with the taxi drivers. Yeah, right.、Um, and then with the bus schedule, that's how I've learned the Chinese characters.、Mm. So, but in the beginning, when I didn't know any Chinese characters, and you know, it's all just looks like random symbols, <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So what I would do is、um, most of the time I would just. Ask somebody at the bus stop, like say,、right. I need to go here. Yeah. Okay. And then they would. Then people are pretty helpful. You know,、yeah. if you can say, I need to go. You know, like, even if you just can say the phrase, like, I want to go. Right. Yeah. Way out to, blah blah blah. You can just point to the address yeah, on your、sure. phone or wherever you have it written down. Way out to, jilly 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 here here here. <laughs> um, people were really helpful. 
to figure out which bus would be the best best one one. to take and which stop to get off of. So then I would write down the opinion somewhere. Right. So that when I got on the bus, I'd be studying the opinion and just straining to hear when the stop was coming up. Because you never knew how many stops it was going to be. Or even if there were, sometimes they don't make a complete stop at all the stops. So they want to skip some in between. So you can't just count the stops all the time. So I would just, and I would be constantly, especially in Chengdu, because in Shenzhen there's more, Shenzhen is a very easy to navigate city, because mm-hmm. there's basically one road that goes through the whole city. Yeah. I mean, if you can find that road, then you can really easily orient yourself. But in a lot of other Chinese cities, there are these ring roads. It's a little more difficult to figure out where exactly you are on the map. So... When I would be riding the buses, I would just be straining my eyes out the window, like trying to find landmarks to remember for the way back so that I knew I was on the right track. But I think that, and that was like, it was stressful, but I think it really sharpened my brain in Mm -hmm. some way. Like I became very observant to where, to where I was going. Now I feel very confident wherever I travel, China or otherwise, because I'm just, I've learned to kind of point out these landmarks for myself so if I'm in a new place it's quite easy for me to to navigate and then find my way back I mean I'm not I'm not a great navigator but I've at least learned these tools because I got lost quite a few times so you just learn out of necessity Mm. how to find your way back yeah yeah, I would I would always panic. I would do the same thing, be like, sat on the edge of the seat, like, I know I need to get off at this stop, so let's listen. Like, I would be checking for road signs, <laughs> like, am I in the the right area yet? Like, But really, if you get off at the wrong stop, well, then you just cross the road. Like, if you've gone too far and you just go back again, like, mm-hmm. it's not that, it's not too bad. The only, my biggest difficulty with the buses is that you, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, is that you need to know the name of the bus stop. Yes. They, even, even if you give like a landmark that's really close and that, especially if you know the area, it's really obvious that you might say, for example, Walmart. Like everyone knows that the Walmart is right there, but if the bus, like the ticket lady, if she doesn't know that, then she'd be like, I don't know where that is. So you always need to know the exact name of the bus stop and that's, that's the most difficult thing I've had to... Yeah. That's why I tend to ask the people who are hanging out at the bus Mm. stop, because for one, they don't have anything better to do, because they're just all waiting. (laughs) So they're really willing to... And and there's also, like, usually a bunch of people around. So if one... If the first person you ask doesn't... Isn't able to figure it out for you, usually somebody else kind of jumps in and helps you out. So once you have the name of the stop and you know which bus you're going to take then it's pretty easy to mm. find it but you do have to it also trains your ear because you have to listen really hard i i would warn the i would sometimes warn the bus driver like i'm going to this yeah, stop right. like when i got on so mm-hmm. he could help you know oh sometimes they i remember sometimes they would even ask like where are you going yeah yeah there's there's two different kind well there's okay let's say three different uh two two different kinds of um buses in shenzhen ones that go just within this, like, Futian, Lohu, like, the central city limits, and those all cost 
two yuan or two point five yuan, whatever it is. But you pay, you just scan your card or drop your money in the little bin when you first get on the bus. And then there are other ones that go longer distances, but they still travel throughout the city.、Mm-hmm. And so with those ones, they have a physical person who comes up to you and asks you where you're going. And then depending on where you're going, then your ticket price will change.、Yeah. So that person also can be. You can't really 100% rely on them to tell、mm-hmm. you like, "Hey, this is your stop. Get、yeah. off." They're not super helpful, but sometimes they depends, will. Yeah. yeah, it depends. Yeah, sometimes、sure. they'll help you out. Yeah, but I think taking the buses is a great. A lot of foreigners, I think they just, that it's like, the metro is the security blanket、yeah. for them. It's, They're like, it's "Oh, safe, if I can get to the、yeah. metro, then oh, I'll just take the metro." Yeah, even though I'll say to them, "It's way faster if you just take the bus."、Yeah. With the bus, you're more aware of where you're going.、Mm-hmm. Like you learn the city much faster. And it can be interesting. Yeah, and yeah, I mean the people who <laughs> ride the bus are a little different crowd, let's、yeah. say. But you're just like kind of in the grit and muck of it all, and it's、mm-hmm. and also a lot of times you get a seat, whereas on the metro generally you don't get a seat.、Yeah. But if it's not rush hour on the bus, usually you get a seat, so it's kind of nice. You can sit by the window and watch the world go by and. You know, look out for things that you might not have seen before. Whereas when you're underground, there's nothing to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you're in China or you're planning to go to China, really push yourself to try to use the bus system because it'll help you in so many ways. It'll help you learn how the city is set up. It'll help your Chinese. It'll make you a little more brave, I think, all around to、uh, to just like to feel more confident that you can get around. Yeah, highly recommended. Yeah. Although I would also I would suggest that you don't use the buses during rush hour. Yeah, because if there's one thing that might turn you off about using the buses is seeing a bus packed like sardines. <laughs> yeah, because they squeeze them in like you, there's no space left in that bus. Yeah, yeah, you can't. And、breathe. it looks a little bit. Awful, to be honest. If you're outside and you see that go past, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Um, but I've done it a million times and I've survived. Yeah, you know? me, I've done it too. Yeah.、It's... Well, in Shenzhen, we're lucky because I think the longest I've ever gotten stuck in a traffic jam is maybe like 15 minutes、mm. ever. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that too bad. So、yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. So Erin、um, continues. Oh. And so since she's she's been in China, she's kind of. Obviously, she's she's learned some things, and she she's got some、uh, teachings for the for newbies. Oh, nice! So she says, number one, when you're in a taxi, make sure they turn the knob to start the meter. So I guess in Shenzhen, there's just like a button. But、mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've had experiences at, at the beginning where they they try and con you, and all、mm-hmm. of a sudden you're somewhere, and they're like fifty kwai, and you're like, are you kidding me? We、mm-hmm. we should have only been like thirteen. Happens rarely here. Yeah, but, not very often. Yeah, but maybe、right. in other places like Wuhan, it's、right. more common. Yeah,、uh, she says number two, going to Walmart or Metro on a weekend will result in waiting in line <laughs> for easily an hour. That's so true. Yeah, a- anywhere though, I find like shopping on a weekend here is just mental. Especially Sunday. Sunday is like shopping day. Yeah. yeah.、Uh, number three, most of the shampoo has silicone in it,、oh. which I did not know. Um, but there are plenty of brands for European hair. Yeah, the silicone thing I didn't know. I didn't realize that、um, either. So that's for Chinese hair specifically to like、I、give、guess. it a, some kind of a coating. Yeah, maybe. Huh? Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that. 
Before I became a lush evangelist, because <laughs> now I always pop over to Hong Kong for all my beauty products. We're so lucky I, in that respect. Yeah, I freaking fell in love with lush. <laughs> but um, I used to get Vidal Sassoon and Pantene Pro V. Yeah, I that, did those are pretty beginning. easy to find, and yeah. those are. I didn't have a problem with it. I wasn't like, I don't ooh, this so, is yeah. all greasy or something. Mm-hmm. I I felt like it was the similar recipe as in, as back home. Yeah. Um, her fourth point is really great. Um, she says, if you work at a university, let your students help with Taobao, street food, bus oh. cards, etc. It's an easy way to bond with them and for them to work on their English. And for obviously you to get some stuff that That's might be more nice. difficult. That's a really great idea. Uh, number five, at least learn the hand signals for numbers one to ten. <laughs> I can't tell you, uh, you how much that has helped. Uh, keep up the awesome podcast and know that there's a group of foreign teachers listening and laughing along with y'all as we stand in line at Walmart <laughs> because all we want is the jar of Nutella on Nature Valley. <laughs> I just bought Nutella yesterday. Did you? <laughs> Actually, it's that's so funny. funny. That's something I'm not bothered about. Like, I can do without the, like that. But I've got other things like Marmite yeah. that everyone else hates, obviously. It's funny, though, because <laughs> it's like once you realize... it's. You go through these phases where you're craving something so badly, and then once you realize you can access actually, it, you you're like, it. oh. Yeah, and you actually don't end up buying it as often as you thought you would. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes the, the longing for it is much stronger than yeah. your actual need for it in yeah. your life. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So if you find that you're really dying for a certain product, just imagine that it's always available to you. <laughs> and maybe the craving will pass. Because that's yeah. happened so many times where I'm like, oh, I so wish that they would sell this product. Yeah. And then after I re- like after they cuz China just continues to import more and more western products mm-hmm. and their palette a lot of them at least what we see in Shenzhen you know I remember when we first got here plain yogurt was like it was like Difficult. a treasure yeah. hunt you had to find out. they put so much sugar in their yogurt yeah. and I like to eat plain yogurt and it was so hard to find. I would have to go to this luxury shop, and mm. I'd pay like eight dollars for just like one <laughs> container yeah. of yogurt. But sometimes mm. you know you're craving it. But now it's all over the city. Yeah. I even learned to make yogurt from milk. Like that's how badly I want it. But now it's all over the city, and I almost <laughs> like I couldn't be bothered. Right. Like I get it from time to time, but it's not a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm. So just keep that in mind. The brain is a funny thing. It'll trick you into thinking you need something, and then when you have it, you don't really need it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose, um, I think it seems like Erin hasn't been here too long. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's still that, like, you still sort of needing those home comforts. I think for us uh, oldies, it's like a bit <laughs> different, maybe. Oldies. You just get used you to not think of a things. better word for that. Well, I was, veterans. I was veterans. Yeah, I was trying to think of a word, and then that's all I could come up with. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no wit. Veterans, <laughs> veterans. Yeah, vets. I like it. Yeah. Um, so How many years do you think it takes to to become a vet? Uh, well, sh- he's a vet. Sh- we've got a comment from oh, a vet. Okay. Uh, Eighteen plus years. I reckon makes oh, you a vet. That's a lifer. Yeah, lifer. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So we're vets then, maybe, and he's a lifer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we've got a comment from Bob, uh, and this was on our Facebook page. 
um, on our episode 59 post, which was about bridging the cultural gap. Oh, okay. Um, and he says, Hi, Holly. Hi, Nora. I've just found your podcast. It's great. I'm a guy living in China for 18 plus years so far and really love it. Cool. Up until now, I've been listening to the Roundtable podcast uh, and the Seneca podcast, but I'd run out of old shows and was looking for a new podcast when I found yours. I've only listened to this one so far, which was episode 59, and of course now I will go back to your older ones and listen to them too. On the subject of this show, I do think it is possible to make good, close, pl- platonic friendships with Chinese. I do have a 20-year-old, 20, 20-year-old, 20 20-year marriage, sorry, <laughs> to a China, uh, to a Chinese, uh, person, I guess, uh, uh, which of course doesn't count, but I do have a couple of very close Chinese friends. Uh, they're both female, but platonic. The thing is though, I think the region you are, you are in makes a difference. I lived and worked in Guangdong for 12 years, twice as long as I've lived in Beijing and never made any very close friends there. But here in Beijing, um, it was a different story. I have Chinese friends there, but they were not as easy to establish or maintain. Inner China, cultural differences, I guess, that could be chalked up to. Uh, look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, great feedback, Bob. Nice. Thank you. That's cool. Um, and we've got another another comment. Um, well, I just want to say, oh, maybe comment do. a little bit on what he's talking okay. about. Cool. So he's mentioning, um, he's commenting on an episode where we talked about making Chinese friends and yeah. whether or not it's possible to have close Chinese friends. Yeah. And you have to listen to the episode to get our full answer about that. But we talked about how we've struggled in creating deep... Because, okay, we both have long-term relationships with Chinese people that we would consider friends. Yeah. But there still seems to be a divide between my... Like, my... My deep friends, let's say, my close friends, and my Chinese friends. So I think he makes a really good point when he talks about the differences between the North and the South. Mm. Because we're definitely not saying that China is culturally homogenous. Sure. Yeah. So I just wanted to to say, like, props to you for saying that, because I think that that, that's got to be true. You know, we can only speak on our experiences living in Shenzhen, Mm -hmm. We do have exposure to people from all over China because Shenzhen is an artificial city. So the people who live in Shenzhen are not Guangdong people for the most part. They're, they come from all over China. So we're exposed to all different parts of China. You know, like people in our office are from all over the place. Henan, Hubei, mm-hmm. you know, all, all over the place. Um, but it's true. There are differences between the North and the South in terms of culture, and I'm sure that plays a role into forming the relationships. Yeah. And I wonder it depends on also on um, the type of person who might go to Beijing or might go to Shenzhen, like how uh, how open and willing they are to form hmm. friendships, you know, like, I don't know, that's another thought, I just, just popped in there. Well, you um, just recently sent me an article about Shenzhen and mm-hmm. how, you know, it's really picking up speed and I actually got the article from multiple people, so I guess it's it's, it's going there. around, yeah. yeah, it's out there, talking about how Shenzhen is this boom town and how it's more expensive to live here than in anywhere in the U.S., which is crazy. That's like Manhattan, L.A. included. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's in terms of real estate. Other things are much cheaper. 
But the article said that Shenzhen compared to Beijing or Shanghai was actually more welcoming in terms of Shenzhen is more welcoming. Yeah, in terms of huh. um, wow, uh, uh, meeting new people because like in Shanghai, Shanghai is particularly it's known for being very snobbish, snobbish yeah. to outsiders, yeah, right. and Beijing is more like they're not they don't have that same kind of snobbery, but they're because the government is all. Uh, centered there, so in terms of a business environment, it's very difficult to crack through these established、mm. channels that have existed. Like a lot of it in Beijing is connections, who you know. Yeah. So if you just arrive there as an outsider, it's right, not it's really、different. a friendly environment.、Yeah. Whereas they say in Shenzhen, people are much more open, and、uh, you know they've got they they're trying to make it into a very entrepreneurial city, which it is. Yeah. It really is.、Um, so, so that's interesting because, like, you'd think then that it would be easier to make friends and stuff here, but yeah, I mean, because I, I, yeah, I'm surprised that they say it's like more friendly because I do associate Shenzhen with business and and work. Like, I feel that most people who come here have come to to work and are not necessarily here to like settle down and have a family. A lot of people who are here have, I mean, the Um, have their family back in their hometown? Not everyone, obviously.、Um, so I can't. Yeah, I feel、maybe、as though people aren't meant, here to make friends. Like, yeah, maybe they just meant more as in the business, business. just like strictly in the business environment. Then、mm, friendly business, because <laughs> it said something like the average.、Um, if you want to set up a business in China. The average amount of steps you have to go through is thirty-one, thirty-one steps, and then it was like. Isn't that a Hitchcock movie? Thirty-nine. <laughs> Thirty, yeah. So, so that's I mean that's massive bureaucracy. If you're doing it alone, it's like <laughs> oh, really difficult. But in Shenzhen, they said、um, there are quite a few、uh, studies that say the average amount of steps is eight. So that's a really big difference between.、Yeah. Wow. Between other places where they just give you the runaround, and I myself have, like, it's really funny. So our boss is from Hong Kong. He speaks Cantonese. That's what his native language. Like, he he's bilingual, but、um, he speaks Cantonese. And I just remember him trying to get a driver's license. So he's he's from this area. He's lived here all of his life. I mean, he's from Hong Kong, but it's just over the border,、yeah. and he speaks the language of the local people.、Oh, yeah. And he's he has plenty of money. That's not the issue.、Um, and he went to try to get his driver's license, and he tried to do it the legal way. Right. And they just basically sent him from one office to the other, then back to the other, then back to the other, over、wow. and over and over again. He got like lost in this infinite, like this infinity loop or whatever. And then eventually he was like, "Screw it!" And he just paid some person to. Do it the under the table way.、Mm. So it's crazy, but that's business in China. <laughs> Nothing is ever one hundred percent legitimate. You can't be. It's impossible.、No. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm babbling on quite a bit today. <laughs> This is good. We well, we've we, we've been away for a little while, haven't we? So yeah, it's nice to get back into it. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna jump into our news. Okay. Um. So this is a follow-on story. I think I've 
I've read several related articles in the past. And so this is about the Chinese surgeon who wants to do the head transplant thing. Oh no. Yep. So but but he's doing he want, he's doing it for reals now. Like do you remember it was only maybe a, a month or so ago when he did the monkey transplant? Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah. Well now he's found a candidate and how who's long willing did the to mon- do it. Oh my god. Yeah. Um so this is if if you're interested, I'm, I'll read like sections of this article, but it's it's pretty interesting. So if you're interested, this you should just sends chills down. Yeah, my Yeah, I know. Yeah, if you're a little bit squeamish, you maybe want to just like wait two minutes and come back to us. There's a little bit of with the mm. monkey. Did he do it just on one? Because so because he took took the head from one monkey mm. and put on the body from another monkey. Yeah. What happened to the other head and the other body? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, I'll put the, I'll put the link on our episode 60 page, so you can go to writtenchinese.com slash episode 60. And the, if you go onto the, the link, like the page from the Shanghaiist, there's a picture of, um, Gene Wilder as Dr. Frankenstein (laughs) with this, like, look on his face of, like, pure horror. And it's so apt, like, they just chose a great picture because this, (laughs) I think this pretty much sums up, his face sums up how everyone's probably feeling right now. Um, so yeah, basically he's, he's found a patient who, who's willing to, to do the surgery. And this guy is, a, he's a 62 year old, uh, called Wang Huanming. Um, and he became paralyzed from the neck down after injuring, injuring himself while wrestling with a friend. Uh, oh, so obviously some serious wrestling, but yeah. anyway. And, um, so the New York Times described New York Times, I'm sorry, describes how he's going to do it. So, But it's quite maybe a little bit gruesome, so I'll leave you to read it if you want. Um, but ba- basically, they'll... Obviously, they need two heads and two bodies, and they'll just they'll connect blood vessels and whatnot to uh, basically glue everything together. Oh, man. In a sense. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, so obviously, there's been... Uh, there's a lot of, like, ethical debates surrounding this. Definitely. Um, but now, a lot of other doctors are coming forward and saying, this guy is mental. Um, and this is a quote from uh, Dr. Abraham uh, Shakehead, I think his name is. And it basically says, at this stage... I would call the attempt stupid rather than crazy. <laughs> and this is a doctor of, uh, a professor of surgery uh, at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and he says, crazy means it may be done, stupid should not be done. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is, it's it's gone, it's gone to the point where people are starting to be like, what is this guy? Is this guy serious? Uh, and he's been titled China's Dr. Frankenstein. But he, as I think I mentioned in the last article about the, with the monkey, he, he's done many hundreds of head transplants on rodents, mm-hmm. but unfortunately they didn't survive for more than a day after surgery. Right. And the monkey also, I think. It was a few hours, if yeah, I remember. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Um, so he was like, s- oh, well, let's just try it on a human yeah, then? Yeah, because he's found, there's someone who's willing to do it. He's probably can- oh, I'm, I'm so sad for their family. Mm. So, uh, so, but he's still looking for a body. So the guy, this, the patient, Mr. Wang, has said, "Yeah, I've got a head. Just find me a body." 
man. So there's more. There's a lot more detail, and it talks a little bit about the like ethical boundaries and things. So I'll put the link to the article, and there's a there's a video as well, which actually I didn't watch, uh, unfortunately. It's only about three minutes, and it's it talks more in detail about the actual surgery, like what he'll have to do in order to. There are so many things that could go wrong. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, can we even successfully do like hand trans? Can, can uh, I don't even. I, I'm not sure about I'm, that. I'm also not sure. I feel like I I don't think that we can successfully do like let's say hand trans. Right, and for everything to like move because there's a lot of yeah. connections, right? For everything to work properly. Prop- and if a, if a rodent would only live for a day or two, oh my god! Like this guy. Mm-hmm. This is craziness. Yep. Well, yeah. Exactly. Stupidity. Stupidity. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, that's so that. weird. <laughs> Only in China, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Definitely. Well. Crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I just imagine in the future that people with like really nice bodies are gonna be targeted for like people will be like, oh, Ooh. this guy's got a great body. Let's uh, let's put my head on his body. Oh my god! <laughs> It'll be like. Oh, it's so gross, I mean, because there's it? already a lot of black market organ, yes. you know, swapping going around. This just reminds me of, like, back in the day when there were, like, body snatching, like, out of, oh. gra- like, just grave robbing bodies to yeah. experiment on. Creepy. I feel like that's where it's going. Oh, man. Yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our question. Yes, let's. Because <laughs> we've chit-chatted quite quite a lot already mm-hmm. um so this week our question comes from brie and um she well she she let i will let her introduce herself i guess oh. here we go hello ladies this is brie from seattle washington i'll be moving to beijing in august with my husband and daughter my daughter will be turning two shortly after we move there And although we currently live about a thousand miles away from the grandparents, they are all very upset that we'll be moving with the baby to another country. We're trying to convince them that they'll be able to communicate with us just like they do now, via Skype or FaceTime, email, and phone calls. However, they're slightly disbelieving. Since you ladies currently live there, can you uh, tell me how you communicate with your family? Also, once we're there, my husband will be the stay-at-home dad. I was wondering how unusual it is for the father to be the primary caregiver to a small child, as here in the States it's becoming more accepted but is not common. Thanks so much, and love listening to your podcast every week. Great questions, yeah, Brie. Definitely, I love how calm she is. Yeah, she's got she's like, a really oh, nice voice. Like I'm going to Beijing, no biggie. <laughs> it's great. Shout out to all our Seattle fans, by the way. My brother lives out there, and um, it's a nice place. Yeah, nice I've always place. wanted to go to Seattle. Biggest trees. I've ever seen. Biggest trees? Yeah. I mean, everywhere. It's beautiful. Nice. So, all right. So, there's two pieces to this question. 
Um, the first of which is all about communication. Yeah. So listen up, Bree's parents and in-laws. <laughs> Your daughter and <laughs> granddaughter are not going to fall off the face of the planet. Right. There are a lot of ways that, that you'll be able to communicate. Um, Holly, how do you usually stay in touch with your family back home? Um, mostly through WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Um, it's just a, a convenient way to just send messages. Like, um, yeah, I can just say, like, how, you know, how, how are things? Um, but the time difference, it's always been quite difficult. And my, the way my parents work, it's always been really difficult for us to have a regular like Skype session. Mm -hmm. So we just like keep keep in touch with each other, you know, a couple of times a week. And now it's more frequent because we're organizing the wedding and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's often every day or every few days. Um, that's the main way. Uh, oh, and an email too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we also use Skype, but as I said, not very not very often. Uh, we've always had issues, uh, some issues with the uh, quality of Skype. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't. How, is it when you use Skype? Is it fine for you? Or most of the time, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not one hundred percent reliable, yeah. just because you have the firewall. So, yeah, it's true. Sometimes the connection isn't very good, and it can be very frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, if you're bypassing the firewall, you probably have a better chance. Um, and it has been improving. Yeah, actually, yeah, I've noticed. Um, yeah, more recently, it's been better because we, if we use Skype, we want to see each other as well. That's like the whole point for us, right? Um, so that was always an issue in the past, like with the quality of the video. We could always hear each other fine, but the video was always like really pixelated, or we would freeze, and you know. Yeah, generally speaking, because I have like a standing appointment right. to speak to my parents Once every week. week, which I, it sounds really, you know, I, I talk to them also in the meantime, a lot of times I'll send them emails or, you know, my mom will put, put a note or something in Facebook mm. or I'll give them a call in the middle of the week, um, <clears throat> usually to ask her about some cooking advice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, usually in an hour long, so I usually talk to them for about an hour, an hour and a half. And uh, the Skype call will probably drop once or twice right. in that process. So that's really not that bad. I no, mean, no, no, it's, not. it's better than it used to be for sure. So I have, so I, my, I have like plan A, plan B, plan C when I talk to them. Plan A is to use Skype with a video. Yeah. Plan B is to use, so if that doesn't work, then plan B is Skype with the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Plan C is um, an app that I use, which, full disclosure, this is actually um, an app that's made by a friend of mine who's in Shenzhen here with his family. Um, not that I'm getting paid to say this or anything, <laughs> but the, I love it. It's called Spaxtel. That's S-P-A-X-T-E-L, and it's available for Android and iOS. And it's a long-distance phone service which is it's so awesome you have to start using it to see how great it is it's much cheaper than calling with skype right and you can use it it's unlike phone cards like if, if they exist anymore i don't even know if they exist mm -hmm. anymore you usually have to get a specific phone card for a specific country yeah but with spaxel it's like you send you like put out a request for the phone call 
and then you can choose where you want to send the call to. So if I'm, let's say I'm at home, I have Spaxel on my phone, but I don't have a, I don't have a SIM card in my phone that's not a Chinese SIM card if I'm in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to, there's no way for me to use my phone. So I will send the call to the house phone of wherever I am. Right. So, so then, they, they're like taking the call. How, how does that work then? So it's, I don't know technically exactly oh, how it works, fine. but the point is from the app, mm -hmm. you can send out either, so there's two ways to use it. You can use it through the internet or you can mm -hmm. use it through the phone lines which I usually use it through the phone lines because then the call is crystal clear. Oh, really? It's so good. Awesome. Because if you're using it through the phone lines, then you don't have the firewall to deal with. So that's why that's my ultimate plan C because I know that for sure I can get a clean, clear right. phone call. So basically what it does is from the app, it sends out a text message to the server. So you can either send it out. It'll try to send it out with your phone service, but if you, or it'll try to send it out with your internet service first, but right. if it can't, then it'll just send it out as an SMS. Oh. So once it reaches a server, which usually takes about 10 seconds, you your whichever phone you've decided to send the call to will start ringing. Then you pick up the phone, then you wait for it to connect to the other person. <laughs> okay. But it's awesome. Yeah. So it's like when I'm in Bulgaria, I use the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just a really simple way where, like, no matter where I am in the world, I can call anywhere can call. in the world. Yeah. And the rates are way cheaper than Skype. Mm -hmm. And you don't need internet. Like, the biggest thing for me is that you don't need to rely on a stable internet connection. Because yeah. that's so frustrating in China. Mm -hmm. In other countries, it's probably not an issue. In that case, you can use, but I think it's pretty, like, Internet to internet, I'm sure it's free. Oh, right. um, but then internet to phone, is, it's really cheap. And then phone call to phone call, it's very reasonable rates. Right, great. I haven't, yeah, I've got the app, but I haven't, I haven't used it yet, if I'm honest. It's awesome. I think I've been using it for... So I use it at least once a week. Mm -hmm. And my husband, we also share an account. Because right. it's really easy. You can just install it on as many phones as you want and just use the same... You just log into the same account and then you just send the call to whichever wow. phone you want to, including the one that has an app on it, doesn't matter. Um, and they make it really easy. They store all the numbers in there, so you just choose cool. which phone you wanted to send it to. And my husband and I also, like, he uses it quite a bit for his business because he calls the states quite a bit too. And I think in the last year, maybe I've spent $50, maybe, for all those calls. Like, And I talk to my parents for at least an hour pretty much each time. Mm. And when I was using Skype, it was like maybe fifteen dollars or something like that every month. Fifteen. Oh, really? Bucks. I don't have. I I've never paid for Skype to be honest, so I'm not really sure what the rates are like. But although I, I understand it's quite expensive. Yeah, it's be. not. It's not. Ter I mean, you can manage it, but if it's if it's on a regular basis, first of all, when you're using Skype, you don't use the phone lines, mm. so you have the same problem as mm -hmm. you have when mm -hmm. using <clears throat> Skype for doing internet calls. Yeah. So you, you're still going through the firewall. So your, your connection's going to be, even though you're paying for it, it's not going to mean the quality mm. is any better. Yeah. Although I've, we've used it when, um, so Barrett's parents called, uh, I think if I call my parents, it's usually their end that's the problem actually. So if we have a three way call between the, th the, th the three, well, 
yeah, three families, I suppose, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, he calls he calls my parents like landline, and it's really clear, actually. Okay. But, so I don't know what I don't know how that makes any difference, but maybe yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe you get lucky with the. I don't know. I'm not sure either. But I haven't had because I definitely had quite a few calls because my friend, actually uh, from Seattle, actually calls me quite a bit. Um, she uses Skype. Mm-hmm. And when she calls me, usually at some point in the conversation, I just get frustrated. I'm like, screw it, I'll call you back. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, there's a delay, and it's really frustrating. But when you use the phone lines, it's so much better. And also, it's so it feels so much closer to home because you can just be, like, I don't have to be somewhere that has internet. I'll be out on the street. Right, and you can just call. Someone. Yeah, and I'll call yeah, someone. Nice. And it just feels like they're just you know in the same city as you and it's it's brilliant so i love it and it does not you know it's not a huge financial Mm -hmm. hit so i call people all the time using specs till now nice yeah i'm more i i don't i don't like to talk to people on the phone that much to be (laughs) honest so i'm yeah i like being able to message more Mm -hmm. but i mean it's obviously it's great that you like that you can just call someone whenever you want yeah, it, it's a really nice feeling. Mm. It is. Because, yeah. yeah, I just it just brings things closer. And so I use it in conjunction with, an, with another app that's called Time Buddy. Um, and that one, you can plug in a bunch of cities, and then it'll tell you what time it is there mm-hmm. according to your phone's clock. Right. So I always check that first to see, you know, where what people are up to during... Sure. Like, what I think that they're up to if they're sleeping, obviously, I won't call them. But it's a really easy way to just, like, quick check to see. Like, I plug in. I have Bulgaria, mm. uh, Seattle, Milwaukee. I have, like, my major cities Jeez. plugged into there. And then I just check yeah. it. And in one glance, I can see um, where everybody mm. is in terms of the time. And it adjusts to daylight savings, which is weird. Because in China, we don't have daylight savings. <laughs> it's just China time. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of hard when you live here to keep your hours straight. So it's a nice little tool that I use in conjunction with Spaxtel. So, cool. yeah, it's cool. And they also have good incentive. Well, I feel like I'm advertising for them. But it's it's really awesome. I'm telling you, this is, a le- this is legitimate praise for yeah. somebody who uses it on a regular basis and in when, China. When you find a good tool, you want to share it, right? You want yeah. to tell everyone that this is a good alternative. Like, if something isn't working as well as it should, then... He's yeah. the thing that does work. <laughs> and when you give, when you invite other people too, they like give you five bucks. Oh, really? So if they create an account, they give you five bucks. Oh, cool. So I've gotten a lot of free money from them. And I know the guy, he's a nice, I mean, he's a nice guy. It's a legitimate yeah. business and he's always trying to improve and make it better and always trying to lower the rates and he just cool. wants to dominate that space and it's so far it's the best while you're in china i'm sure there's other ones out there but for specifically while you're in china it's great it just also happens to work everywhere else in the world Mm. so that's really cool um if you want to use social media to send your send the grandparents um photos then obviously you're gonna have to find a way around the great firewall which we won't talk about here but which you'll be able to find all that information <laughs> when you speak to foreigners in China, or you can probably Google it. Um, but there's also an app that one of our friends here uses for his family that's called 23 Snaps. Oh. So 23 Snaps, it's kind of nice because it's like 
it's a social media platform just for kid kid stuff. Yeah. So you post. So unlike on Facebook, like if you don't want to bombard all of your friends with baby photos on a regular like videos on a regular schedule, and also Facebook doesn't work in China. It's an alternative app where if you can teach the grandparents to use it before you go, I don't know how old they are, how technologically savvy they are. Yeah. But um, it's relatively simple to learn how to use. You could just get them a tablet and set it up for them. But then you can post to your heart's content videos and photos, and they it won't be blocked here in China, and you won't be bombarding your. The rest of your network、yeah. with photos of your kids. Yeah. yeah, and it's a good record for you as well, isn't、mm-hmm. it? To like to put everything on there. And I suppose,、um, I mean, even if, because the the way I see pictures on there, I, I get an email like every te- like a notification email.、Mm-hmm. So the grandparents could be just see check their email, I、yeah. guess, to see new. But the、pictures. email you can't see the videos. Really? Yeah. You have to log in to see the videos,、oh. but they could, they could create an account. It's true、mm. they wouldn't have to necessarily have the app, but they could click on the videos、mm. and log in. Yeah, but yeah, that's a that's a really nice way on a daily basis to to put to put pics out there. Yeah, and that's free also. So and that's twenty three snaps dot com two three snaps dot com. Again,、mm. this is not an affiliate. Marketing scheme. We're not being paid <laughs> to say this. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that they could do is teach the grandparents how to use WeChat. Yeah. So that's another one.、Um, so you could send with WeChat. You can do voice calls. Although, I it the it's kind of hit or miss the voice calls the I, quality. I don't think I've ever done a voice call. I've done quite a few.、Um, Sometimes it's sometimes it's pretty good.、Yeah. Other times it's kind of similar to Skype because again you're using the internet, right? <clears throat> so when you're doing international phone calls through the internet and it's going through the firewall, there's some delays and some issues, but it's free.、Um, and then on there you can send voice messages really easily and videos and photos.、Mm. And oh, I have used the voice message, the the voice thing. Well, there's call, two calls. Yeah, oh, the, the voice, voice call. call. I have,、yeah. I have done it before. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there's a video. Yeah, maybe. I'm pretty I'm sure try, that try, I haven't. I'm tried. trying to remember that I haven't.、Mm. Uh, one thing I have never, tri- I've never tried is FaceTime, and she did specifically mention that one,、uh, but I have, not, I have not tried it. I actually haven't either. Because my family don't use、uh, fruit-based devices. Fruit-based. <laughs> Well, my mom just got herself a little iPad Mini, so maybe yeah, she's all excited.、Um, so maybe we can try it. But yeah, I also haven't tried with FaceTime because I kind of have my system、mm, already. I, I don't see why it wouldn't work, since although there are some Apple products that don't. I don't know. Maybe Brie'll have to try it out and let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can try it. She doesn't come till August, right? So we can check it out and maybe leave a message on Facebook. Yeah, we can try it out. I can. I'll. I'll try it. Maybe that's something I'll try with my parents this next round. Yeah, the next appointment we have,、um, and see see how it goes. But yeah, again, you have to have an Apple product. They have to have an Apple product. Yeah. 
I don't know if it would be that much better than Skype, just because it's still going through the internet. Mm. So, I have a feeling that it would be similar, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know um, how it is with your parents, but sometimes my parents have problems with Skype. Like, just navigating Skype. Oh. We have problems, like, in the past, it, sometimes we would be able to, like... One we could hear one side, but the other side couldn't hear. So what we would be like sending messages saying, "I can hear you," oh. and but they couldn't find the message box, like the oh. message, and there was always some problem there. So I'm wondering if FaceTime is a simpler option. Like, I imagine it probably has a better u- user experience right. than Skype, because yeah, it is. It's, it's not the super it's, easiest, it's not, yeah, to navigate. Well, that's a nice thing also about just calling them on the phone. Uh-huh. Is you know. You don't have to deal with this kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. and if they've got a couple, if they've still got a couple phone sets in the house, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's dwindling though. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people actually have multiple phones anymore. But um, my parents definitely do. <laughs> so then yeah, my, my dad gets on too. one phone and my mom gets on the other phone, mm-hmm. and and so that's nice. Or they can just put you on speaker. So that's good. And then yeah, email, emailing photos, and then. I guess just putting together some kind of milestones, like bring them out to Beijing if they if they're able to travel, just so that they have something to look forward to and they can. Because I know it really helps whenever my parent, my mom is really, she gets really happy when I send her pictures of the house, like of where I'm living mm. and like my friends and stuff there, because she can visualize what my life is like there much better and after they've come to China so they've been to China now three times and so they just I feel like they feel so much better because they're kind of getting used to they're becoming China veterans too veteran tourists let's say um so so they just don't feel as apprehensive they see what it's like here they realize that it's not like we're in a rice paddy you know (laughs) like in a hut (laughs) Um, so, so that helps just like if you're able to get them out so that they can see it's not that scary. Mm. There's, it's, there's technologies everywhere in cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen. So medical services are going to be fine. The living conditions are going to be fine, you know. So that'll help is like just making sure that they're they're really aware of the real situation and they're not just concocting these ideas. Because, I mean, they're from an older generation and China was a totally different place when they were growing up. I mean, even me as a child, my parents would say, oh, you didn't finish your dinner. There's starving kids in China. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, I want to be those kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) in China. Yeah, but even now, like, younger people have, like, certain stereotypes or, or ideas of what China is. And, yeah, it's only experiencing it for yourself that you realize it's not it's not quite like that. Mm. And I wonder how much international experience, like, travel experience that they've had mm. um, pre- previous to this. Because I just think a lot of, at least Americans in particular, because the U.S. is so big and a lot of people just don't even get passports and don't do a whole lot of traveling besides, like, in North America. So I think they feel just nervous about how things are in countries where it's, you know, non-Western countries. Yeah. So I think it's easier to be nervous about the unknown. I think if they were truly aware, if you send them 
find tons of photos of like where you're living and send them videos. Hey, this is where I buy my fruit every day. To, to have that kind of connection, I think, would really help with yeah. their... Well, she said because they live a thousand miles away Already. as it is. So just to let them know, hey, yeah, we're moving a little bit farther away, but it's really not going to change the nature of our relationship. Right. Yeah. So. You could always start a blog or something like that. Yeah. To keep them updated. Depends mm-hmm. on how much time you have. Maybe, well, I guess it's the point we're going to move on to soon. Perhaps if your husband's at home, he could do the blog. Or something like that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, let's... Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, the second part <laughs> of Bree's question, which was about um, stay-at-home dads. Yeah. Um, so to answer the initial question, how common is that? Um, it's not. It's not. It's, not. <laughs> it's really not. Um, I did, though, find uh, an encouraging statistic. I don't know if it was true. I only found it on one news source, but it seemed relatively credible. And it said that the amount of stay-at-home dads is similar like in the the U, like in the US it's growing. And in Beijing in particular, which is where you happen to be going, mm-hmm. the percentage of stay-at-home dads is about the same as in the US. Yes. Did I, you see that I too? I found the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so two, it's about two or three two percent, or three percent yeah. <laughs> which is small, but it's it's similar to how it is in the U.S. So right. it's not like it's going to be so. And the population is way bigger in yeah, the actually, U.S. Actually, when you think I mean, about that, China. when you think about that percentage, it's a massive amount, actually. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, I've, I've, that's only really just dawned on me that that percentage is actually massive. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's in Beijing in particular. Mm-hmm. So so that's lucky that it just happens to be. More progressive in the stay-at-home daddy movement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so, I wasn't, I mean, I knew it was, or I assumed that it was unusual. Mm-hmm. So, I googled stay-at-home dads in China, and the first site, I, I just obviously just clicked on the link, and it was just like, not, there wasn't, it was just uh, garbled, like, letters and numbers, and it was it was as though I typed in like stay at home dads in China. It was just like cannot compute. We do not understand this <laughs> phrase. Like what what what's the question? Does not exist. Yeah. <laughs> so I was quite amused that that was the first uh, site. That's so funny. But I didn't find a whole lot. Like yeah, I, uh, I definitely had to do some digging too because I also tried to find some information. And I'm, I'm wondering if we've probably came across a similar been digging ones. on the same page. Did you find the article on the China Daily? About Mr. Zhu. I don't remember it. I didn't write down specific names. Oh, you didn't? Because uh, it, it was like a celebration of Father's Day, but it was from last year. Mm-hmm. And a guy um, told his story about why he became a stay-at-home dad. It was actually kind of good. Like, it made a lot of sense. Like, Because I, I was thinking, is this story going to be like kind of weird? <laughs> um, but he... <laughs> it's a great, a great little phrase. He says, uh, "His baby son's poor sleeping habits were the blasting fuse that ignited Jew's decision to quit his job oh. <laughs> and temporarily become a full-time dad." Wow! Uh, but it made a lot. Of, basically, he felt as though his son uh, didn't have very good habits, and in China, these like habits that they call them, like they're really important, aren't mm-hmm. they? Um, so this, he said that he's, the kid slept too much and he didn't sleep after midnight. That's a really common thing here, I think, mm-hmm. that they don't really have, they sleep, they have like a nap, but a really long nap in the afternoon and then they don't go to bed till like 
11 o'clock and for a toddler that just seems mental to me uh, anyway, he he didn't approve of these uh, these habits, and um, so yeah, he basically quit his job, and um, he he became fan a fan of several like parenting experts on Weibo. Oh, okay. And uh, he joined WeChat groups for moms, and uh, he he basically learned practical ways to improve his son's. Uh, childhood I guess and uh, two months later his kid was like sleeping at normal times mm. and using the toilet himself that kind of thing Aww. so his change was was a good thing previous to that the grandparents had been looking after the son mm-hmm. uh, and then and he actually said something really nice which was that he he'd learned a valuable lesson from being a stay-at-home dad um, and that was that he was a he was a role model for his son. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah, that was quite a nice heartwarming story. And that once a child, his son had gone to kindergarten, he he would go back to work and show that his father was a pillar of the community and that kind That's of thing. So nice. So I thought it was nice, nice little story. Yeah, China is a very it's it's a traditional culture in general mm-hmm. in terms of I mean it is it is very uncommon yep. for the man to stay at home and. I think there's a lot of confusion. Like it, it would take a lot of explaining because most people would assume, and maybe that's similar in the U.S. where people just assume, oh, you're a stay-at-home dad because you couldn't make it in your career. Right. Um, and that's definitely a perception that you'll get here. The thing that's nice though about being a foreigner though is that you're allowed a certain amount of eccentricity without <laughs> yeah. the same kind of judgment Absolutely. as yeah, yeah. as other that's people. True. So I don't think your husband should really be worried about like oh getting looked down upon or something like that. They're just gonna see him as kind of an oddity anyway. Right. So it's not. I don't think he'll get this kind of condescension that you might I, get in your I own agree. culture. I agree. Yeah, I fi- I did find another story of a stay at home, a Chinese stay at home dad who was saying that he was just worried because the the mom just wasn't very nurturing. I mean, oh. some some people like just aren't don't make good mothers. Like that's that's just that's what happens. She just wasn't. He he noticed the child wasn't really gaining any weight. His wife was really stressed out. She was very harsh on the kid, and mm. so he was like, you know what. I want my child to grow up in a stable and loving environment. So he was like, I know that I can provide that and I'm more patient and he's just more nurturing of a person naturally. And mm-hmm. so he just decided to take over the role and she went back to work and right. ended up really working out well for them. Oh. So, so that's nice. What's really nice about China is because of this massive population size, it's, and the way that they use social media, it's really easy to find a lot of people in a very specific niche. Yeah. So I think as soon as your husband is able to find one stay-at-home dad, then that will open it up because, like, basically everybody connects on WeChat in these groups. Mm-hmm. And so if he can find just one, then it'll open up the basically the floodgates and he'll be able to find another and another and he'll join these groups and he'll get he'll be able to find support i think oh yeah i think so and i, I mean okay even if it, even if there are only a few like stay-at-home dads i mean the moms are still going to support him anyway i think mm-hmm. just like in the story of the with the Chinese guy. I'm sure the moms will be all over him, like <laughs> falling all over him. Cause Watch lot, out, Brie. <laughs> yeah, 
Because a lot of, well, one of the problems is in the major cities where you have such fierce competition is that because the fathers are expected to provide financially, they don't have a lot of time for the kids. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these kids, they lack a male Male role role model. model. For sure. So, which we see it a lot of times because obviously we're in the, we have a lot of friends who do English teaching. And a lot of times the male teachers are sought after, not just as a, you know, teacher of English, but as a, as kind of a proxy male presence in the kids' lives. So I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that the moms will be really supportive and Mm -hmm. helpful to him if if for some reason he can't break his way into the dad niche. Yeah. You've just reminded me of uh, a couple of students I had, actually, when I was teaching. Um, And a few of those uh, kids that... Their fathers played the, like, I would say, predominant role in their lives. Mm. Like, it was actually the mothers who, like, both parents worked. They weren't stay-at-home dads. But the mothers were the ones who were maybe, like, traveling for their work. Or their schedule was maybe busier and stuff. And it was the fathers that I, like, communicated with mostly. Um... Yeah, just it just made me think like there were there were some examples where the f- the fathers were there. Maybe it's often. like one of those things where in public they just want to make it seem like the the father has the more business oriented role, but maybe at home there's a lot of there's a lot like behind the scenes you might see a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were they were very like gentle fathers. Mm. Like I remember one, he he had quite a strong presence like I always remember feeling very like when I first met him quite intimidated by him but actually once I got to know their situation he was very gentle and mild-mannered and actually I think he was worried because I think he'd been a bit soft with his son Mm. and he was worried that he was that there had been so little discipline that he was he was a bit his son was maybe you know he cried too much especially for a maybe five-year-old like Mm. You know, bad yeah. habits, I guess. Yeah, they're pretty harsh. They don't tolerate a lot of crying. I've seen mm. parents just screaming oh, at yeah. little kids. I mean, they're very... The whole tiger mom thing <laughs> yeah. is very, very present. Which, speaking of which, I found... I don't know if you came across this, but the thetigerdad.com. No, oh, no, no, I didn't. Or the tiger... Sorry, the thetigerfather.com. Oh, no. I, I found... To be honest, I found very little, apart from this story that I uh, that I read... Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. All right, so thetigerfather.com is a blog run by a guy who is a stay-at-home dad in China who is right. a foreigner. I think he's either from the U.S. or the U.K. I forget. Anyway, okay. he's he's a foreigner, oh, cool. and he has a blog all about his stay-at-home dad adventures in oh. China. It says um, his tagline is, One man's quest to achieve parenting immortality while not going insane in China. <laughs> So you can check out thetigerfather.com and read some of his stories. Uh, It's I'm not sure how much he maintains the blog. Um, I checked the last entry was like November Mm. of last year, so I'm not sure. Maybe maybe his situation has changed or he's moved, but it looked like there was still a lot of information there, and you could probably still contact him and see if there's some way you can connect with some other stay-at-home dads in China. I'm sure that he'd be willing to offer help. So so that was kind of cool that I found that I found that. I feel like 
There are a lot of movements in China now where there are like people who are really trying to own the stereotypes of like that usually you're you know like they have these leftover women yeah so they have all these like the phrases that means leftover women and so now there's kind of a movement where these leftover women were like yeah yeah we are we're freaking leftover right, right. women and look what we've accomplished and blah, blah. so it's like yes. they're just owning that stereotype mm-hmm. and i think it would be really received very well if some foreigner was like yeah, I'm a stay-at-home stay dad, home, yeah. which I'll tell you the Chinese for it. That'll be our Chinese word of the day. Oh, yeah. But I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I love it, and this is how I contribute to the family, and this is my life here. And I really feel like it would gain a lot of momentum, and you may even mm-hmm. be able to make some kind of a business off of it if you wanted to. But I think there would be a lot of people out there who would relate to that, who are just kind of too afraid to speak. And as a foreigner, again, you don't really have that stigma that they have in their own society. And you can kind of act as a role model to mm. them out there. So if you if that if that's something that you would enjoy doing, blogging about your experiences and just talking about all like how what it's like and sharing your life, I think a lot of not just people in China, but I think a lot of Chinese people would respond very well to that. And I think you'd be praised by the I mothers so, in the too. community, and you would gain moment. I mean, you probably end up on TV. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, like, just own it. And there's, like, there's actually a funny phrase. So I'll, I can tell you now because we're, we're reaching right. an hour, yeah, we so are, we, are. we should probably wrap things up for the time being. And actually, um, just a side note, we're gonna have another up- upcoming episode soon where we're gonna talk about the dynamics between mm-hmm. successful women and you know how Chinese men feel about successful women and how that changes the nature of their relationship so we can kind of probably come back to that if you have any other further questions about this kind of topic get them in as soon as possible so that we can talk about it when we talk about that stuff um so there's uh the chinese phrase (laughs) run fun nan so run fun nan and it's not um it's not like a standard phrase that you would find in the dictionary but um, we can still link to the individual characters mm. and it means soft rice man <laughs> and soft rice man is I think I've heard that yeah probably yeah, so. so a soft rice man is not necessarily just a stay at home dad but it's a man who's like the woman the the wife is the boss of the house and the man is kind of just being towed around by her and you see this quite a bit in china so i think it would be really funny if like if you know if Bree's husband came and like was like yeah i'm run you know i'm i'm a soft rice man (laughs) and he like owned it or so you know like doing something like that where it's funny and people saw the humor in it and people realized the faults behind this stereotype Mm. um but anyway to conclude my speech (laughs) (laughs) I've done a lot of talking this one. Um, But yeah, let me give you the actual Chinese for um, house husband or stay-at-home dad, Mm. which is jia-ting-zhu-fu. So Holly will put a link to that in the show notes so you can click on that. And then you can use that as a key phrase to search on WeChat to find articles about stay-at-home dads in China and oh yeah yeah, yeah or cool. check on Baidu I did I did Google the phrase on Baidu and it was kind of hard 
to figure out. But I did find some articles. I used Google Translate to yeah. try and sift Honest through chance. it because my written Chinese isn't really that good. Um, just so slow to read stuff. But uh, I found, like, if you can just use Baidu and you can sift through using Google Translate to translate stuff. But I found some stories. That's how some of the stories that I found cool. were just, like, Google translated, so it was kind of harder to flip between the Chinese and the yeah. English. But at least you could kind of see that there were there there are stories about this out there. Yeah, cool. So so yeah, so was, I think I don't think it would be any more difficult being a stay at home dad in China than in the U.S. in I- terms of culture, except that it'll be you know it's just like a huge you know it'll take them a long like changing your environment so completely especially if you don't speak any chinese it'll take a little bit of time to get used to obviously so that's an added stressor but i think he probably would be received even more warmly here mm-hmm. than in the u.s as a stay-at-home dad what yeah. do you think yeah similar I, I, yeah i agree yeah i i mean I, I think it sounds great to be honest i wonder if uh bruce husband is a stay-at-home dad in the u.s as well I don't. Did she mention? Oh. Did she say that? I don't know if she did. I'm not sure if she said that or not. I'm not sure. Mm. It sounds more like the change in things around. Yeah, that that it sounds more like Bree's being moving out, moved out there for her work, right. and then he's not gonna have a you know a job. Mm. He doesn't have something lined up out there. So, well, I mean, he's not gonna have a formal job. I'm sorry. It, being a parent is a job. <laughs> Is a hard two, job. Two jobs, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with a two-year-old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fun times ahead. <laughs> It'll be fun. I'm excited for you guys. Thank yeah. you so much for writing in with a great question and also for sharing a bit of your personal story. Um, we look forward to hearing more about it. We would love it if he starts blogging, if we could share that to our audience. Yeah, for sure. I Because th- I think there'll be... Yeah, like you say, once if, if he starts to blog or, like comes out comes out <laughs> like if yeah if he's like out there about being a stay-at-home dad i imagine that other people will like come out of the the woodwork mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. yeah it's cool hold the torch mm-hmm. run with it yeah indeed so um all the links and anything we've mentioned uh in this uh episode will be on writtenchinese.com slash episode 60 um, if you've got any comments or you want to remark about anything that we've mentioned, uh, you can comment on that page or on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or if you've got a question of your own, uh, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail and leave us a message. Please do. Yeah. Thanks for listening, yeah. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.